What's going on, y'all? This is Mike Brown, and I just wanted to welcome y'all to this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. While I got your attention, please be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. I feel like a YouTube influencer saying that. Like and subscribe to my page, my channel, my podcast. Um, got a really dope show in store for y'all. Also, my book pre-order is out. You can find it at www.justmikebrown.com. Damn, I sound so dated, but thank you guys for tuning in. Welcome to the show. Yo, what up? This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Today, I have a special guest in the building. Um, We went to college together, and... You know, the school we went to was so small that, and it was funny, I was telling somebody today, uh, shout out to James Woods, but I told him today, like, we didn't really connect a lot in college, but I felt like I just knew you because we knew so many of the same people and just were in so many of the same spaces all the time that it just, I feel like I knew everybody from Xavier. But um, would you mind introducing yourself to the people? No problem. So uh, my name is Julius Tunzel. Um, born and raised in Little Rock, Arkansas, but I've been in New Orleans since uh, since 2004, since we started at Xavier together. Um, I currently am an infectious disease epidemiologist, and I'm currently getting my PhD in epidemiology. And so um, it's been a very, very interesting couple of years with the pandemic, everything, and we've somehow managed to put off a COVID free wedding, which I'm very excited to announce. But um, yeah, that's just me at this point. I, I do COVID and learning on uh, how to cohabitate with somebody else. <laughs> wow, that's was dope. And congratulations. Um, so, well, first, how are you Thank doing you. today? How are you doing today? I'm actually doing good. I um, this is one of the first weekends in a while, maybe since like November, I haven't had anything to do. Like as far as like getting up and whether it be traveling or having to work or do school stuff. So I'm actually good. I had my coffee. I had some king cake this morning. So Ooh. it feels good. I feel blessed. That's what's up. Um, <laughs> and I kind of want to go back to uh, what you were saying you were doing and also working on your PhD. Uh, what exactly is epidemiology? for people that don't know. So it is the um, the study of the distribution of diseases. So I, in short terms, I pretty much just tell people I'm a disease detective. Um, so like prior to COVID, I did, uh, I focused primarily on vector-borne diseases, which are like diseases transmitted by insects. So like Zika, when that was a thing, I was the coordinator for Louisiana for that. and um, West Nile and Chagas, malaria, all anything transmitted by an insect was my specialty up to that point. But now I really do focus on um, COVID outbreaks in um, non-congregate living settings, which are basically everything is like not a nursing home or K through 12 school. But um, the short answer is disease detective. Uh, we try to figure out trends of transmission and try to make recommendations to stop transmission, but we kind of see how all of that has been <laughs> interesting the past couple of months with uh, some conflicting information from CDC and stuff. But in short terms, that's kind of what I do. Yeah, wow. 
Um, how have you been taking care of yourself during this time? Like just because I'm sure your job is very stressful. Yeah, it's I'm still really trying to figure out what taking care of myself looks like now. Um, I think in 2020 I was able to handle everything pretty fine, but 2021, you know, was a very, very difficult year for me just because when we thought everything was getting better, it got much worse and it started to pull time away from a lot of the personal things that I wanted to do. So um, I've learned to start prioritizing my needs, um, which has been very, very helpful. So, you know, I've been trying to get back in the gym more regularly and like get when I'm off of work, staying off of work, like not taking work emails, not even like checking school emails, just taking the time to unplug and just kind of focus on me. But I'm still trying to figure out what self-care looks like but because uh, I still don't 100% have the best idea um, just because it is a mess out here. But I'm working on it. That's what's up. That's good to hear. Um, man, I feel like I want to just go through like your journey, our journey, because, uh, you know, we started college in 2004. And like I was telling you earlier, um, not that that you were like I, I didn't see you as an openly gay person I don't think anybody really was at that time but you know in my mind I associated you with being gay didn't know that for sure or not and was like I said also dealing with my own stuff but I wanted to just hear like what was your experience like with sexuality in college or just in general like what was yeah your- yeah, so, you know, um, like most people in the South, like I'm born and raised in Little Rock, Arkansas, was brought up and raised in a church. And so I think I've always, um, and we were very, very heavily involved, you know, pastors like, oh, homosexuality is a sin type of thing. And so it was always something that I think I kind of knew and acknowledged, but I always tried to pray it away. And I think by the time I got to Xavier, I was not it was easier for me to identify as just being kind of asexual than acknowledging that I liked, I was attracted to men at that point. And um, it was a little interesting for me because, you know, on campus, you know, my close group of friends were uh, very, uh, they could be perceived as being womanizers and things like that. And I, I was kind of felt like the odd one out because I didn't necessarily fit into that specific uh mode or persona of what you know the people I surrounded myself with but even during Xavier I only had a couple of of encounters during that point in time but it was still very much something that I was still trying to pray away and I really um didn't think was was who I was like, if you would have told me in 2004 that I would be married to someone that was a man or that identifies as a man, and we've been together for six years, I would have told you that would have been the wildest thing. And um, it wasn't until I think I went back home after I graduated in 2008 for a, a little bit of time, I just felt so, um, I just got really sad and depressed. I feel like I couldn't be myself. Like I was back in the same environment I was in when I was in 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 um, in high school, where I was going to church regularly and 
I felt like I was always the topic of discussion. I'm like, there's, you know, my sexuality was always the topic of discussion. And there was so much other stuff that was going on, like actual bad stuff was going on. And I think at one point I was like, I'm unhappy. I need to figure out what I need to do to make make myself happy. And that ended up just me living in my truth. And so I ended up moving back to New Orleans and uh, which was the best decision that I think I ever made because it allowed me that freedom to figure out who and what I was and allowed me to do it, you know, without, you know, my family being there to kind of impose themselves on me. And it also allowed me to kind of figure out who I was without the friend group that kind of um, pushed me to stay to those heteronormative standards in undergrad. And I'm still like, I'm still very, very good friends with all of them now. They're my favorite people. So it's not the thing of me trying to dissociate myself from them, but it was me trying to find who I was without all these people that uh, probably had preconceived notions of who I should be from past experiences. And so I officially came out to my family in 2015. It was actually two days after um gay marriage was legalized and I just saw everybody on social media that was openly gay being able to celebrate and have those moments with their family and I just felt kind of like I was shortchanging myself and um I came out to my mom on that Sunday as she was getting ready for church and I'm pretty sure I messed up the rest of her day but um (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure I did but you know um it's been I can't do math six or seven years since then. And, you know, she, so my husband's name is Matthew. She loves Matthew as he is her own son. And um, that's all that I could really ask for at this point. That's really dope, man. That's so dope. Um, As you, as you were coming out, did you feel yourself like just becoming more free? I did. Um, Because, you know, like, I think, as I said before, I think there's always been, I've always known that I had some of attraction to a man, to to other men. It was just the thing of me actually acting on it. And I did feel so repressed. I feel like I couldn't be myself. And I even started to realize as when I was younger, like when I was specifically an undergrad at Xavier, I was a very uh, unpleasant drunk person. (laughs) And I'm realizing now in my older years, a lot of that was just rooted in me not being able to be who I wanted to be, figure out who I was. Like I was just trying to fit everybody else's idea of what it meant to be a black man in the mid to late, you know, two thousands. And, um, but it was freeing. And like, I remember I went home shortly after I came out to my mom. I just remember her being like, you look so happy now. You look refreshed. You, you you seem like a different person, but you're just like a happier version of who you used to be. So yeah, it was the most freeing thing <laughs> that I think I could have ever done. And it was also, it was, I was honestly surprised that you were gay. I remember when, because uh, you made, I think you made an announcement on social <laughs> media or something. I was like, huh, I would not have thought. I had no idea. <laughs> you know what's funny Everybody, like when I came out, not a like not a single person told me that they thought I was gay at any point. Um, I actually had a couple of friends that told me they were just happy to hear that I was having sex because 
they just all knew me to just do music, you know? So, but yeah, I, I can mm-hmm. relate to your journey so much because I used to be a very like angry drinker and um, used to like, it used to just make me want to fight a lot and just be very aggressive because uh, yeah. I was just holding this in, holding this in. And it wasn't until I moved to LA that I became more accepting of like, cause just like you, I, I tried to pray the gay away. I tried to like, oh, I'm gonna grow out of this. I used to, I used to always tell myself like, this is my last year doing this. This is my last year. Like, right. Oh, going away. <laughs> <laughs> and when I went to LA, that was when I met like my first masculine, like men that openly identified as gay. And I was like, well, fuck, if this guy is gay, I am. And it sent me into like a mm-hmm. deep depression. Like I was really depressed and I got to a point where, and, but for me, it was Frank Ocean. Everybody was so accepting of Frank Ocean. And I was mm-hmm. just like, well, shit, if they accept Frank Ocean, they know me, so they should accept me too. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's and real. Did, like... yeah. Um, yeah, every, every, everybody did. I would say my dad initially had the hardest time with it because obviously, like me, he just only had one idea of what a gay person was and you know now we've we've grown so close that I mean my dad knows about me being on prep and everything you know like I had a prep appointment and my dad was like oh it's prep this this, and this and it was cool that he was familiar with it and he was like well can I come with you and he came with me and like that felt really good to be able to be that open at this level you know and I think that took my growth as well Yeah, that's wild. Like, um, I don't know. And I think specifically what you're saying about, like, not, I hadn't seen many. I think I've only seen one type of way that Black gay men should be. And I was like, that's not me. And there's nothing wrong with that. I was like, that's not me. And it's like, how do I, I don't even, like, how do I navigate as a gay Black man when I don't even know how, I have no, precedence of what people have done before if that makes sense so i'm happy we're at a place now where we're also just we're all able to exist whether it be masculine feminine you know all of these social constructs that are put on us i'm happy that you know we're at a place where people in high school can go to prom with you know somebody the same sex or same gender um i really think about like how differently like life would have been had we been able to like experience that um, and then not be it, you know, stigmatized and 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 stuff like that. But even with that, how did your friends like react to everything when you came out to them? You know, I think uh, so. I'll say James made it easy for me. That was like the first person that I I came out to, and um, you know, he was doing therapy and stuff at that time, so he kind of handled it like a therapist almost. Like I told him, and he was kind of shocked at first. And he asked me a couple of questions, like, just to see, like, are you, are you serious or, and um, yeah, he just gave me the space to share that with him. And he called me the next day and just told me, like, he really appreciated me sharing that. And he also recommended therapy to me. Like, he was just like, you know, mm-hmm. so you have a space where you can not have a biased opinion. Cause he was like, I appreciate you being so open with me, but also like, you need a space where, you know, you can just be free to, so my friends were very supportive. And, and once I told him and, and he was accepting of it, like I just, 
it was I felt like I was on a coming out tour, like I was just coming out to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And That's I get it. Cause even for me. No, what are you gonna say? I was gonna say, cause even cause even with me, like I hope I'm not telling anybody else the story, but like, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you know Asia, but you know, she's now married. Um, and her she and her wife have two children, but um, she actually came out to me first in the hopes that I would come out to her, but I wasn't comfortable with it yet. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's nice. And we kind of just was like, you think shit. But, but, um, but, you know, after I told everyone, it was like, you know, I got nothing but support. Um, I think I came out to my female friends before I did my male friends because I was actually, I was actually petrified to come out to them just because, you know, there's the, I just don't want to be a hoe. Oh, you were you my friend because of this type of thing. And it was a lot of my, more my insecurities versus yeah. the reality. Because when I came out, there's like, oh, okay, we noticed you were doing X, Y, and Z, but you know, we're just waiting on you to say something. So I've been getting pushed back from anyone. It was, you know, to have a good support system for my friends was, was, was really vital. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny that you came out to your female friends first because I feel like I came out to them last because uh in in my head I used to think like all my female friends were attracted to me and and they were gonna like hate me because I was gay. It was just like uh, that's kind yeah. of my mind. But then even with my straight friends, it's funny I was telling somebody the other day, like before coming out, I really thought everybody in my life was gonna disown me. Um, I don't know why I felt that, but I was just like, people aren't going to want to deal with me because I am gay. I think I had similar feelings too at some point because, you know, again, I think it's just, just a lot more of insecurity than anything, but I just didn't want people to think that everything that we had experienced up, experienced up until that point was a lie and that I was a completely different person. And I even, I will say, like, while I do think everyone was accepting in the beginning, I I can tell that some people, in some of my interactions with people, I could tell, that, like, the energy, they were, the energy was starting to shift to, like, oh, this is my gay best friend. And it's like, no, I'm still the same person. Like, just because I'm gay does not mean, just because I've come out to you does not mean that anything is different. Like, and of course, there, you know, like, I've started to, experiment differently with clothes you know wearing tighter fitting shirts maybe or a shorter short and stuff like that but like me at the core is the same person yeah and it's like i don't i didn't sit up and gossip with you before i don't want to do it now those types of things but um but again it was all still love yeah do you feel like you've changed people's perception of what a, a gay man is i do um like one of my really good friends, her her dad is a pastor. And before, like, um, you know, we met or were introduced, I think, you know, he had maybe the same, he only saw one type of gay black man being portrayed in general. And so to actually meet me and get to know me, um, like he's told me that I've changed his perception of what it means to be a gay person and, and being someone who felt so stifled by church growing up specifically from, you know, pastors and stuff, it felt good to hear that. And it also feels good just to know that 
in some capacity, I'm giving someone else um, validity to be who they want to be. Like, I remember once I went to Target, well, Matthew and I, we went to Target and we were buying something, I don't know. Um, and as we were checking out, I could tell, I, I assumed that the, that the cashier was was gay, but I just remember him being like enamored of it. He was asking us all these questions and and I'm like, it 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 felt like we were giving him um, the the right to be who he wants to be, or and, and, and that may not be necessarily what it was, but that's how it felt. Um, but yeah, I do think we've changed some people's perception. I mean, even in my own family, you know, my my immediate family, I still get some uh, pushback from the um, outside family members, but I've gotten to a point of. I surround myself with the people that I want to be around me. Um, but, you know, changing one person's mind was good enough for me, but I'm happy to be an inspiration to other people, too. That's what's up. Um, what does it mean to you to be a Black gay man today? It means a lot. I mean, it, it's turned me into a social justice warrior in a way that I never expected to be. Like, um, it, I think people, I'm, I'm typically quiet. If you don't really know me, I tend to be quiet. But as um, I get comfortable, the, um, the outspoken person comes out. And like over the past couple of years, I feel like I've been the person fighting for queer POC voices, like, um, and I think it's 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 needed. Like even within our community, like I have friends who've made you know comments about the trans community, and I'm like, you don't need to say that, or you need to think about how you are potentially you know spewing um, irresponsible rhetoric and stuff like that. So for me, it's I don't I won't say it's necessarily something that I chose, but it just feels right for me to stand up for people who are being disenfranchised. If if that makes sense, and um, and I also think that's another reason why I'm always so stressed out because I'm always trying to take on everybody's fight, <laughs> and I can't take on everybody's fight, but I, I I try to, but um, but above all, I'm just happy that I am able to finally live my life as a black gay man, um, because I know for years I was like, like I remember young, I remember I was in grad school when I was still at the still trying to get everything figured out. I remember. The guy that I was talking to at the point that point in time, I was like, you know, I still may end up with a woman. I may be unhappy, but you know, I want children, and I don't know how that is going to happen. Now, I don't know. I don't know what parenthood or familyhood looks like with, with a man, and so maybe it's worth me sacrificing my happiness to to make this happen. But now realizing that I can make it happen, there are options. Whether it be you know, adoption has always been an option, but you know, even surrogacy. And um, and and things like that. That's dope, man. Um, speaking of children, I want to transition into, you know, and I I hope you do feel well. I'm sure you do feel like this is an accomplishment. But you being married, congratulations again. But man, like I told thank you, you. I don't know very many black men that are married to you know just any anybody like somebody else of color like it's always with somebody that's white 
So it's really inspiring to see you because it's like, man, like this can be real and it can exist. You know, like I said, being in LA, it's different out here. <laughs> it's, it's different. I know. <laughs> like I've, I've had sp- experiences where, you know, black men have told me like, they're not attracted to black men and they, you know, black, mm-hmm. men are, black men are not attractive and, you know, they are black men. So it doesn't make sense, but yeah, you know, it's a lot of self hate out here. So it's cool to see. So I really commend you for that. Like, it's really dope. Like it's really inspiring. Thank you. Um, so I want to start with, how, how did you meet your husband? How did you guys meet? Yeah. So I was, so, um, and I've been in New Orleans for a while and he lived in Atlanta at the time. And I actually went to Atlanta for a work conference and we ended up matching on Tinder. Like the last night that I was there, we ended up matching on Tinder and um, neither of us thought it was going to go anywhere. I was like, oh, he's only in, in Atlanta for the night. He leaves out tomorrow we didn't even meet up in person while I was there. It was just very much, we, we met on Tinder. Um, and I was like, okay, this is just somebody to talk to as I am watching TV here in the hotel room. But uh, when I ended up coming back to New Orleans, when I left the next day, we just stayed in contact and we continued to stay in contact. And then, um, and so we met in November of 2015. And so I was like, well, you know, we've been talking every day. We've been FaceTiming. What's the harm in seeing you know, if anything happens further. So I ended up taking a trip out to Atlanta for New Year's 2015, 2016. And the rest has been history. So we met on Tinder, uh, did long distance for a year, all of 2016. We did long distance. And um, we were starting to realize that long distance was expensive. And... uh, (laughs) At the same time, we were both kind of on the same page. Like, I've, 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 in my adult years, I've attempted to date with intent. Like, I've always, I don't date everyone thinking that I want to marry them, but I always date someone with the thought that I could marry them. And we're like, well, you know, it's only been a year, but we're both on the same page about where we want to go. So maybe it's worth us trying to see if one of us should move. And um, work was really good for me at the time. Like, again, this was the peak of Zika. Um, the Zika outbreaks across the world and stuff. And so he moved here in 2017 and we've been living together for five years, five years now. That's a long time. That's what's up. Uh-huh. And it's also, and it's also uh, interesting just because the whole race thing, because like when we matched on Tinder, I just assumed he was black. You know, we, uh, uh, I live in New Orleans where we have, you know, uh Creole and you know Creole people really really like it. I just assumed he was just I assumed he was black, but I ended up finding out later that night he's he's um he's from South America. His his family is a Paraguayan and um so yeah so just to give his POC his his race he's, he's South American but uh but there is so much I've I've also witnessed so much like self hate and like amongst the black community mm-hmm. and even just seeing like how other people react to it like because he's the first non-black person I think I've ever talked to 
And it's interesting because like I've had conversations with other people and they're like, they think I only talk to like non-black people. And I'm like, that's not okay. This one just so happened to work out. Um, but yeah. Sorry, I start to ramble some. No, it's all good. It's all good. (laughs) Um, Something I wanted to ask you that popped in my head was, uh, what do you think are like the keys to a successful long distance relationship? Because I, it was it, it was something that I never saw myself being able to do, but I was always curious, like like how do you make a long distance relationship work? For us, it was one, us being on the same page and being a friend about what we wanted. I think at any point, either if either of us would not have been fully invested in the other, it wouldn't have worked. And I think the other part of it is just communication. Like um, like when we first met, I was poor. Like I was fresh out of I was fresh out of grad school and like I had an entry level job. I was making entry level pay. And that there were times I was like, I legitimately, like, I'm trying to, like, support myself here in New Orleans. And I'm having, like, we were, we were seeing each other once a month. We were alternating months to visit one another. And, and it got to a point I was like, I, you know, I really, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do this. I don't know if I can afford this. But, you know, just being able to communicate with him, like, what I was going through made things a little bit easier. And just acknowledging that, uh that stuff is ever changing stuff is ever evolving i just really think that communication was and still is the biggest part of it like there are points in times over the six years we've been together when my friends have been like oh you tell him too much or you're disclosing too much i'm like i'd rather tell him a lot more now than have to deal with on the back end like one of my biggest concerns about him moving here was that you know he didn't really have a support system of friends here that i did but he would be moving into my life. But like I have set 18 years of history, people that I've dated and stuff here. And, you know, well, New Orleans is small, you know, and I've always been up front and being like, oh, this is, we go out like, oh, this is someone I've talked to at one point in time. So just throw that out there. And my friends are like, you're doing too much. But I'm like, in the long run, it, it's worked in my favor, I think. So. It's it's funny you say that because I do the same thing. So I just I just recently got in a relationship, and um, I mean, okay, I've in my journey at those points in times, those relationships have always felt serious. But like this one right now, yes, because I'm more mature and very self aware. It feels like oh, this is this is the real deal. But I find myself in those situations too, where it's like people I'm now friends with that I may have been intimate with or had a relationship or something like I feel. I feel that I just want to say it just to free myself of like feeling weird about this connection, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just feel like it's the easiest thing. It's the easiest thing to do. And like, I don't know how small like the dating pool is in, in, in LA, but you know, it, 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 for me, it's just, it's been a release. It takes the, the pressure of the what ifs, away and I think it's also just like it, it instills another sense of security to the other person to give them just a little bit more um power in in the situation too but I, but above all I just think communication even when it's uncomfortable even when it's not easy 
yeah. is the most important tool. That's what's up. Um, how did you know, like, how did you know that your husband was the person you wanted to marry? I think, I honestly think I knew around the time that we were discussing him moving here because, which would have been in 2016. But um, just the fact that I was considering living with somebody else was a really, 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 really big step for me. Like he's the first person that I talked to after coming out to my mom. And, um, and so he's the only person that's ever been around my family. And so, and he's actually the only, yeah, the only person in general, male or female that I've brought up around my family. I've only dated, you know, a handful of women during my confused years, but like, I just never brought anybody around. And when I just started to see how he was interacting with them and how he was supportive of me in the times that I like needed him, like my grandfather passed away in 20, um, in 2019 and 2019 is actually the year that I ended up proposing, but he was there while I was a mess. Like, I think it would have been easy for other people to just kind of walk away um, or just react to it differently. And I was, I was, I was, wild. I was actually not acknowledge it. I was going through a lot. I was also debating going back to school. And so I was making this transition from having a part full-time job to making fraction of the money I was making before going back to being a student it was just it was a it was a shit show if I could be completely honest but I realized when I was able to come from the other side of all of that that he was still there he was willing to like hold us down for me to do something I thought would benefit us both in the long run I was like this is who I don't know how many other people will be like yeah you can go to making a quarter of the money that you're making now to go back to school, I'll hold us down while you figure that out. And I think that was for me the moment I just knew this is what I needed to do. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Um, what is something that marriage has taught you about yourself? Oh, um, that I need to learn to better prioritize things within my life. Like I'm a very driven person and I get tunnel vision. So like when it went back to me going back to school, it was like all I'm focused on is finishing this degree. And then like when I started getting promoted at work, it was like, oh, I need to focus on making sure I'm doing all this stuff right. Even sometimes to the detriment of the people around me. And it's the first time like he's seen me in school mode. I remember when I was starting back at school, my mom told him, she was like, so Julius is a different person when he's in school. Like he's, he has tunnel vision. He only cares about one, about one thing. And it took me a while to realize that that's not right. And it's not fair. Um, I still have to be a present husband. I still have to be able to, as I was saying before, like I had to learn to be like, okay, I have to not do work. I have to not do school, but just really taught me I have to better prioritize like this job in school may not be here in the long run, but I want him to be here to the end of my life. So I have to nurture him and nurture that relationship more than some of these outside things that may be important, but don't take priority over us. 
I appreciate you sharing that so much because, uh, you know, I feel like that about myself, especially when it comes to like creating an art, like I'm very driven and I just get focused on it. And I, you know, I get so stuck on what I want to do and accomplishing that, that like nothing comes over that. So it's, it's dope to hear you find a balance in that. I'm still looking for it. I still, I haven't mastered it yet, but I'm still, I'm still working on it. And, and, and that's, the, that's the thing. I think that's the beautiful thing. Like it's probably something we always going to work on. It's probably always going to evolve and look different, you know? So it's cool to see you doing mm-hmm. the work. And I also think therapy, like, so like I've, I've had the most difficult time with therapy over the, like, he's been the biggest advocate for me to get to to start he, to start therapy he's had his therapist for a while and i've gone through three at this point and i have liked them dislike them all for different reasons um but i do think therapy has helped me kind of identify even though the sessions themselves were not that successful that there are things that are ultimately good about myself i still need too much of a good thing can be bad that is the one thing I've been able to take away from therapy. Um, and I'm very much an advocate for it. I'm looking for my fourth one. I need to figure that out. But I, I really do push uh, therapy on everybody, if possible. That's what's up. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm not in therapy right now, but I, I did it for about eight, nine years. And uh, I just wanted to take a break and just see what my life is like to experience life with the tools that I built up because uh I felt myself starting to kind of use it like almost mentally telling myself that I'm doing good because of this as opposed to feeling like I'm doing good mm-hmm. because I'm doing the work you know yeah so that's, no that's real that's, that's really dope um what is one piece of advice that you could give people about marriage I think I've said it before, and I think it's just communicate. Um, like I said, we've we've been married since we got married in October of last year, but we've been together since December 31st, 2015, technically. But um communication has been, I think, our biggest contributor to our success. And I always get the question, like, oh, how is married life like? And I'm like, it's honestly exactly the same. We didn't put any new expectations on one another now than we had before. Um, you know, we have honestly been operating as a married couple for so long. And sometimes, like, I catch myself because I'm like, oh, like, I'm still adjusting to being married. But I'm like, and honestly, it's not different. You know, it's we're still operating the same. We still support each other the same way that we did before. But just learning to communicate and be vulnerable. And that was probably what was difficult for me initially was being vulnerable to uh, to allow myself to be completely vulnerable to him. You know, I've always wanted to present myself as the strongest version of myself. I think, you know, me, especially like in undergrad, kind of feeling like the sore thumb, the 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 odd man out sometimes within my my friend group, I tried to like overcompensate and make myself seem like I had other things going on than I actually did. I I know that I kind of brought that attitude with me into a lot of my relationships, but just learning to speak, it's okay if I don't have, you know, the 
I'm not good at this. I don't know how to do this. I'm incapable of doing that. It was hard for me to do initially. But what's the point of being in a relationship if you can't if you can't lean on the other person or um, at least expect them to to carry some of the weight with you? Um, if that makes sense. It does make sense. It does. Um, Cause you have to do the same for that person. So I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, it, it's, it's not, it's not always easy. It's, it's, you know, it's relationships. Like you have to, any relationship romantic or platonic, you have to be, people change or evolve. Like we're completely two completely different people than when we met uh, six, seven years ago and to kind of expect people to be static and never change is kind of selfish but you know just like again learning to talk and work through those uneasy moments is what's going to make a successful relationship like one thing that i pride us on is that we don't argue like we i refused like I've, i've seen enough of that growing up but you know with my family and stuff and i was like there's something that i never want to do um you know we get this at each other yeah we don't sometimes don't want to talk and i think it's good for we've we've learned each other's um love languages and and so we know okay we need to step off step away let this person cool off or or whatnot but um yeah it's just a, a lot of just acknowledging the other person's feelings and not placing the blame like i've one thing that i started doing um, early in our relationship and start being like, this is what you did versus being like, this is how I felt when you did this. Cause you know, placing the blame or uh, it's all about perception. Sometimes I ain't even aware that you're doing things. Like I'm aware I can be, I can be difficult sometimes. And it's not necessarily my intention, but it's important for me for, it's important that he let me know when I'm doing those things so I can correct those subtle behaviors and things like that so communication that's what's up um i got a few more questions um what Mm -hmm. is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self uh just be yourself it's going to be okay like you're not going to lose any love I was a, I was so afraid for years of being who I wanted to be because I thought I was going to lose all those people in my life. I thought I was going to lose my mom. I thought I would lose my friends. And, you know, I have lost some people along the way, but, you know, some people are there for a reason. Some are there for a season. Um, but to just be yourself, like even my brother, he is six years younger than me. Um, he came out to me last year as pansexual. And that has been, um, it's, it's different being on the other side of it. Cause like, I know how it was for me to come out to people and like get support, but also get, um, being the other person, like making sure that you're available to be there when they need you, I guess. Um, because you know, like I'm still learning so much more about like gender identity and I'm trying to do a much better job of, um, acknowledging proper pronouns and all the other stuff. Like it's all a learning process. And I think we also like need to allow grace to other people to learn. Um, I, sometimes I do feel we're 
very like, oh, we need to attack people because they did this wrong. But a lot of it's just miseducation, in in my opinion. Um, but just be yourself and allow people the um you can't dictate how people operate. Like if you lose people, they weren't meant to be there. Um, so just be yourself, you know. As long as you're not hurting anybody, what? <laughs> There's nothing to worry about. Yeah. Um, what is a reminder that you would give to your future self? To not take anyone for granted. Um, it's, it gets very easy for me, as I said before, to just to, to have my mindset on one thing and kind of like just block everyone else else out. Um, but everyone has played a role in making me who I am today, whether they are good or bad experiences, they've all contributed. And I think I'm a halfway decent person, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But, um, but you don't want to take those relationships, those experiences away. You don't want to, I don't want to, to, to belittle them. Um, and every day is, special you know every the next day is not guaranteed and i try to do a good job of i'm trying to do a better job of um letting people know how i feel about them like expressing love which has been a difficult thing for me to do in the past too like let my friends know oh like i love you i appreciate you um because one you don't know how that makes them feel but i think uh i just think you just don't want to take people for granted. You don't want to, life is not guaranteed, which is something that's really more apparent every day as we enter the third year of this pandemic. Um, but yeah, live your life. <laughs> and um, last one, what makes you feel free? What makes me feel free? Being able to walk down the streets of new orleans or any city with my husband with matthew um you know it's not always you know there may be looks here and there but at the end of the day i want the right and the ability to fully be myself to be who i want to be and you know being able to say my husband, which is still something that's still a little bit uncomfortable for me. And so I'm trying to do a better job of saying it so that it is not uncomfortable. But just being able to say that to people that I'm meeting for the first time. Like I realized the other day I'm starting to say my husband and I all the time or me and my husband. And it's like, it feels weird just because it's not the norm. Um, but I want it to become the norm for, you know, people to, to reference their same sex spouse as husband or wife and it not be a thing and not be an eyebrow raise. So just being able to do those things, um, is great. And then also like, I'm the last Tomsel. Um, well, I was the last Tomsel. My mom, she, she, uh, married years. I was like 12, 13, somewhere around there. And so I was the last Tonsil left. And so like, there's now two he, he decided to take. 
my last name. And so being able to like start a whole new breed of tonsils, hopefully in the next couple of years is something that I'm looking forward to do. I want to be done by 40 because I don't want to be an old dad. 35 now. So I got to I got to figure all that out. <laughs> but um, that's what makes me free. Just being able to to be. That's beautiful, man. Um, can you please let the people know where they can find you? Yes. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter at J-A-Y-E-L-T-E-E underscore. Just J-L-T. Uh, my initials. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at on social media. I'm not great at social media. Sometimes I'm on there. Sometimes I'm not. I'm on Twitter more than Instagram, but that's where I can be found. That's what's up. Thank you so much for doing the show. I really appreciate you doing this. No, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, we for sure have to stay in contact too. You know, I have family in LA. I haven't been there in a while, but next time I'm out there, we gotta hang out, get a drink. Please hit me up. Yeah. Thank y'all for listening. This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Peace. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. If you like what you heard, please be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Also, leave a comment, leave us some feedback, me some feedback, but us, all of us, our community to help us grow, you know? But yeah, I would love to hear from y'all. So, you know, you could always hit me up on IG at The Art of Letting Go Podcast. Um, you can send me an email, the art of letting go podcast at gmail.com, or you could call the phone line and I might play your message on the air on the show. The number is 213-394-2773. Hope to hear from y'all and thank y'all for being here. It's the art of letting go.